homeschool expert is here to equip you to homeschool confidently with help from the experts. You can do this, and we are here to help. Visit homeschoolexpert.com for video and print resources. Helping you homeschool confidently is our host, Ann Crossman, and her guest expert for today's special broadcast. Hi, friend, and welcome to Homeschool Expert. I'm looking forward to our conversation today with Orion Ifland. Orion has a great story of growing up homeschooled K through 11 until he started college early. And he's here to talk with us today about how homeschooling has influenced his career and life choices. One of those life choices has been to homeschool his own four children. And we'll get into that during our conversation later. Orion, thanks so much for joining us to share your experiences in the homeschooling world. Thanks, Anne. It's good to be here. Yeah, glad to have you. So I should start off by saying that I met you through your wife, Rebecca, and I've known Becca now for years, and we've done a lot of homeschool life together. She's one of those life-giving sorts of people to be around, and I can personally vouch for the holistic brilliant kids you are raising in your household. I know we're going to get more into that later, but I figured I'd just give you some street cred in the beginning as we start <laughs> off talking about them. <laughs> Thanks, Anne. Yeah, absolutely. So, Orion, you're part of the original generation of homeschoolers. Just as it was becoming legal, can you talk to us what homeschooling looked like for you as a child and how you think about it now as an adult in terms of maybe how, as a teaching style, it may have changed? <laughs> Sure. Yeah. So when I started homeschooling, uh, and this was this would be like in the mid '80s, uh, it was almost by by fluke or by chance. Uh, my mom was hoping to send me to a, a private school down the street from us, and uh, I'm not sure if it was because she didn't know about the registration deadline or if the classes just filled up really fast. But <laughs> at the end of the day, um, it was uh, it's just not an option for us that year. And the other option was a, a public school, which. I was just out of range of bus service or too close to be in bus service, but I would have had to walk on a fairly busy street and she wasn't super excited about that. So mm. she thought, Hey, well, what if, what if we try homeschooling for the year and maybe we can get in next year or something like that. Um, now that didn't go off very well with my, my grandparents, her parents, uh, mm -hmm. they were both college educated. Um, we're thinking, you know, homeschooling is something for weirdos. Uh, it's, yep. it's definitely not, uh, something that you'd want, wish on any person related to them. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and so she, she, she took a little bit of, uh, a little bit of heat, uh, not just from, from them, but also from others. That was, I think, I think their attitude was pretty, um, pretty standard and, and you know, obviously they're close. Um, yeah, and... I think your grandparents and my grandparents went to the same school of thought probably on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't without uh, a little bit of like, this is, this is different. This is unusual. This mm -hmm. is, uh, this is a little off, off, off the beaten path. Now I was, I was homeschooled in Washington state and, um, and the, the, the rules are, I would, I would describe them as relatively libertarian, although some people would think of them as being a little bit more restrictive, but basically it's, it's, it's something to the effect of, you know, you can, you can homeschool in Washington as long as you have at least, you know, some post-secondary or training. Um, and, uh, and then you have to test every year and that's basically, mm -hmm. the, that's the extent of the regulation. So it wasn't too bad. My mom had a, had a, uh, a bachelor's of science in, uh, in a majoring in biology. Um, so she was, you know, she had the, the cred, the creds that she needed for that. Uh, and mm -hmm. then we did testing. Um, so, so she gave it a shot. Um, I learned to read in that first year and, um, and that was kind of the way it began. And then we just kept going in that direction, uh, the next mm -hmm. year. Mm -hmm. And in Seattle, I think it was a little bit less, 
little bit less uh, wacky perhaps at the time, although it was still still a little, a little bit different. Um, but it's certainly today, I would see it as far more prevalent and uh, almost almost mainstream, not quite mainstream, but definitely a, a, a dominant alternative in the in the Seattle area. There are definitely other areas of the country um, and continent um, that are a little different. When my, my wife and I decided to start homeschooling, we did so while we were living in Winnipeg in Canada. Mm-hmm. And it's far less common in that scenario. It almost feels like Seattle did, you know, 30 years ago. Oh, interesting. Um, so you know, it's a different culture there. And it's not to say that, you know, Winnipeg um, is behind. It's just they've had different different realities in, in terms of what their schooling opportunities are there. Sure. And and I would imagine that, you know, other, other places around the country and around the continent uh, would also have different experiences as well. For example, we have friends in, in Vancouver in, in BC who have a similar experience to us in, in Washington. So I would say for, for, from my experience, it's been much more common, uh, seen as a, a viable alternative, generally speaking, um, at, at least for the, the communities that we've been in. Yeah. I like when you call it dominant alternative. <laughs> like, that is kind of what it's becoming a little bit more of. It's still not totally mainstream, but it doesn't raise eyebrows like it used to. And and yeah, I think you're right. Some states in the United States, um, you still find the eyebrow raising happening just because it's more restrictive and there are less homeschoolers uh, versus you know states like North Carolina, where it just, everybody knows somebody yeah. <laughs> so schooling. So yeah, awkwardness versus innovation. People are still deciding which of those two categories uh, they think homeschooling fits into. So then thinking back, what sort of resources did your parents use as part of your education, given that it was still not, you know, as close to mainstream as it is now? And are there resources now that you wish you had had that maybe would have made your education feel more complete? Or do you think you had resources then you wish you could give your kids now? That's a great question. Um, and I think that's often like one of the first questions that my wife answers now too. Uh, and, and, <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and sometimes I'll get asked that as well. Um, for me, my experience was relatively eclectic. My mom kind of picked things up uh, from different places. We had friends who were teachers. Uh, sometimes there would be public schools or just having sell- sales of their old old books and things like that. My geometry book for, for middle school came from one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there were a lot of homeschool conferences because it was such a uh, kind of a, a group. Like there was an aspect of people wanting to kind of group together because mm-hmm. it, it felt so unusual that if you found another homeschooler, it's like, oh my gosh, it's another homeschooler. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like community building. The, totally. uh, the the conferences back in the day. Yeah, because it was hard to find us elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and of course that would be the, the, the place where, you know, any, any homeschool curriculum, uh, vendors would immediately show up because that was the, that was one of the few places they could actually connect with people, right. uh, pre-internet and all that. Yes. So, uh, some of that, uh, and then also just some, I would say there were some influences from her background in biology. Um, and also she'd done a decent amount of math, uh, in her undergrad. So a couple of those things came through and then also some books from, uh, from te- like I mentioned earlier, teachers who, who, uh, were involved in our lives. Mm. Um, I did a lot of math with a, a good friend of mine in high school who was a, um, he was a adjunct prof at a, at a, a small, uh, I guess it wasn't technically a community college. It was like a satellite extension of a, of a, of a university. Mm-hmm. Um, but similar kind of role where he was, you know, their part-time, uh, teaching math and engineering courses, um, so that was that was a good good relationship to have as well. Uh, in terms of 
what kinds of resources I would hope to have, uh, or I, I wished I'd had. Um, uh, we had a, a number of small communities uh, around things like uh, uh, we went to the Pacific Science Center in Seattle, which is uh, a science museum that does a lot of like education courses on the side. A That's lot of their huge. courses uh, for like public schoolers um, or, or other organized school bodies, but we also kind of banded together and created our own homeschool mm-hmm. group there. So that was a, that was a fun experience. Um, and we I think there were other like more like just casual leisure and kind of exercise kind of things like like ice skating or roller skating groups mm-hmm. um, and some of those as well. So there were a couple of interesting points there, but I roller think... Roller skating groups. That's great, Orion. We had one too. It was totally the 80s thing to yeah. do. I don't think I know of any homeschool roller skating groups right now, but continue. <laughs> yeah. I struck a nerve with that one. Yeah. I think, I think for me, there are definitely some elements of like points at which I felt like I was missing some uh, some aspect of the schooling experience, whether that was mm. uh, school buses or, um, you know, I'd, I'd hear uh, from other from other people, you know, uh, different activities that they'd, they'd have a chance, a chance to do in schools. For me, it wasn't necessarily about the education. Uh, I felt like I got all the educational opportunities I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but some of the, the I mean, the, the social connection is definitely one of those things. Um, and it wasn't really until uh, I got into high school where we um, ended up connecting with a bunch of other, again, actually a, homeschool, a couple of other homeschoolers and some other people who weren't homeschooled uh, and, and kind of had this uh, group of, of friends who would meet. I think we met probably up to once a week, but probably more like once every two weeks or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and just got, got to build that, that some of those friendships more independently. Um, so that was, I, I'd say that was definitely one of the, the cool resources, uh, that I appreciated a lot. That's great. Yeah. And I think that's probably reflective too, of the size of the homeschool community at that point. Um, I remember wanting to have Valentine's days parties at schools when you talk about things you missed, right? We didn't, we didn't do that, but that's because we couldn't get enough homeschoolers together to trade Valentine's a lot of the time. Um, whereas now when I'm homeschooling our kids, that's been a regular highlight of all of our co-op groups is to bring all the kids together and they get to experience that so that a lot of those really fun holiday classroom experiences, Cinco de Mayo and, you know, whatever, as homeschoolers, we can now get together and still enjoy that collectively uh, and then go back home. Yeah. <laughs> We're done. Yeah. So, yeah, that's good. Um, are there resources you're seeing your kids have now or, or that they don't? Uh, let me rephrase it differently. Are there resources you had that you don't see your kids having either because of the size of the city um, or how homeschooling has changed? Generally, I do see it as more resources now than there were then. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, as you know, my wife, Rebecca, has has invested certainly a lot of time into building community um, uh, for homeschoolers here mm-hmm. in the Seattle area on the um, on the north side of Seattle anyway. And uh, and we've seen, uh, you know, lots of lots of really amazing relationships come through that. Uh, in fact, that's an interesting tangent. That's how I actually have the job that I have right now. I ended up how meeting, is it? Yeah, I ended up meeting another one of the homeschool dads in that scenario, and he was already working at Nordstrom. So, uh, so yeah, it was uh, it was kind of a fun connection that way. Um, but yeah, and, just a real community. And as long as you're saying Nordstrom, you're not selling shoes, but you're doing something different. 
Can you That's explain true. what that is? Because I can make some assumptions real fast about what <laughs> Mar- you know senior engineer means, but there are a lot of variations on that. So you just you totally. just tell us what is sure. it you're doing with them. So uh, I've been I've been in software development most of my career. Uh, so I did a computer science degree uh, up in British Columbia, um, and what, I, I think we can get to that a little bit later on. But um, but I, I I've been uh, basically writing software for uh, for Nordstrom. Nordstrom has a fairly large tech organization that's relatively invisible because that's not the primary focus of mm-hmm. uh, what we what we show to our customers. But uh, but it's the space that I work in is primarily around helping support the pickup and ex- pickup and returns yeah. experiences in those yeah. stores. It's a lot like the sound guy in the back. Exactly. Nobody knows he's there until there's a problem and then everybody turns around. So if we don't see you, that means you're doing a great job. Exactly. So, great job, Ryan. <laughs> okay. And so siblings, um, where were you in the lineup? Great question. Um, I'm the oldest of eight kids. Uh, and that oh, I didn't know there were that many. Yeah, yeah go. there's, there's a few of us. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and yeah, obviously that, that ends up also kind of... Uh, shaping my experience as well. Uh, being the oldest, it meant that I was, I didn't have any siblings to kind of watch for how college worked. Um, so mm-hmm. I had to kind of figure out how to, how to navigate that. And then also even, even as being the first kid being homeschooled now, everyone else was younger than me, obviously at that point. Um, so they weren't, you know, quite school age, but I was, I was the experiment. <laughs> yes. Guinea pig. I'm right there with you. Huh? <laughs> That's great. Okay. And did all of your siblings end up homeschooling as well? Did some have a different school experience than you did? Like they went to private or public instead? Or or what did your family choose to do? We, we ended up homeschooling. Um, uh, my mom ended up homeschooling all eight of us. Uh, and then we ended up going to uh, Edmonds Community College. And I'll just I'll just explain a little bit of that. In Washington State, um, yeah. whether you're homeschooled or in a public school or however you're schooled, uh, the last two years of high school, you can go to college for free. Um, mm-hmm. So if you, as long as you pass the, the basic entrance exam, um, which is primarily a math and English test, um, that lets you get into uh, places like Edmonds Community College and, and others um, uh, to, to basically get half of your, edu- your, your, your four-year degree done while you're still in high school. So it was a great mm-hmm. option. We ended up doing that. And, um, and then all eight of us ended up going through that. We didn't all get two degrees, but uh, we all studied there uh, for those, those last two years of high school. Yeah. So many homeschoolers uh, I've known in Washington that take advantage of that because yeah, you're getting college credits for free. Who wouldn't, who wouldn't want to do that? <laughs> so that's super smart. So that's why K through 11 is considered homeschooling for you because you're rolled into um, the community college for right. 12th, right? Exactly. Yeah. That's great. So when you think about that transition into mainstream education from homeschooling, what do you think your parents did well in preparing you for that transition? And then, of course, with hindsight being obviously easier for everybody, um, what would you encourage other homeschooling parents to consider as they're also preparing their kids for an education beyond homeschooling or future careers? I think for me, uh, there are a couple of milestones that I remember uh, in particular Um for me, I think one of those was was learning math from that friend of mine. His name is Jeff Brown, and um, and starting to starting to have another teacher and kind of getting an idea of taking responsibility for my own education. I think that was mm-hmm. a big part of it. Um, as I was as I was starting into um, my work at Edmonds Community College, I had to start taking taking more um, ownership of my own education. Now, I did have 
a couple, my, my parents still had a couple particular things they wanted to see me get done before I graduated from high school. Uh, for sure. example, taking Spanish was one of those, um, uh, that I probably wouldn't otherwise have chosen on my own. Um, but they were, they were, uh, you know, based on, on their experiences that well, foreign language should be part of at least your first year of university uh, experience. So, um, uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's something that they wanted to see me do before, uh, for, 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 for that part of my education. But other than that, there's a lot of, uh, you know, browsing the catalog and trying to trying to nail down what what is it that I want to study, and uh, and yeah. kind of owning that. Um, so that was that was my transition into that community college experience, and then later on. Okay, so then where did you learn? But let me interrupt you right there. Where did you learn things like you know basic principles of note taking, or prepping for um, sort of classroom procedures that you would be experiencing in college, but may not naturally experience while homeschooling. So some of that I began to pick up uh, a little bit um, as I was doing things like some of the, the preparatory exams, and I would I would mention that that is mm-hmm. that is definitely um, like you're asking what are some of the things we missed. Um, taking tests was a little different as a homeschooler, uh, partly because uh, in, in in some cases I would I would have an unrestricted amount of time. One one really yes. interesting difference between homeschooling and um, you know, a scheduled school system, whether that's private or, or public, is there's actually a lot more time to do schoolwork uh, compared to um, mm-hmm. a lot of the procedural stuff you have to do in a, in a typical uh, schooling setting uh, where you have, you know, large groups of kids yes. who need to have breaks between classes. And there's, you know, there's the actual walking time between classes, depending on it. Yeah, know, we, call how... those, we call those transitions. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so, yeah, all of, all of that, like, like there's just a lot of overhead to like just being in school, uh, compared to like, if you're in a single room and you have all your books already there and all your assignments and all that. So there's, there's an interesting element of like, you feel like you end up having more time to study. It can't, can anyway, sometimes it'll feel like it can go either way, I guess. But, but the point is, uh, uh, it felt like there was uh, a lot more time constraint in, in that schooling scenario. So one, one miss was uh, understanding testing and timing and strategies for operating under that kind of pressure. Um, mm-hmm. It was kind of a new thing for me. So um, a super concrete example, I had a much harder time with my calculus two class because I did not process through all the math that I needed to do fast enough. Uh, uh, and yeah. so, so it had to really kind of pivot um, as I was adjusting. And, and by the time I kind of got more used to it and had more strategies in place, I, I did better as I, as I um, had a chance, but it was still something I had to kind of like learn uh, as I, as I was in college. And as far as taking notes and things like that, we'd done some of that stuff in, in other contexts, even in homeschooling. Uh, so whether it was watching video lectures or things like that, um, uh, there was some of that element, but yeah, definitely, definitely was something that kind of phased in and, and, to, to a degree, uh, you know, watching people around me, how they're, how they're handling stuff and getting ideas and just being aware, I think was yeah. most of it. Yeah. I think we, we probably had a similar deficit at our household. If, you know, I even want to call it that in terms of test prep and note-taking, which as like, if I have to choose between, does your child understand calculus versus does your child understand how to take notes? Like, well, we can, we can pick up those note-taking skills. That's not going to be hard, <laughs> but like, if he really gets the core content, like let's start there. That's really the priority. Totally. Um, and homeschool kids are coming out with the content, but it's like, Oh, I, I never learned how to organize a binder. Well, let me do that. Okay. That's, that's a, 
hour long exercise or something, right? It's, it's totally doable, but, um, yeah. And I don't think it's because our parents, uh, were not intelligent, wonderful people. It's, they were inventing the wheel of homeschooling that now we get to say, okay, you've got the specs for the wheel. Great. How about a rubber tire to put around it? Right. Let's, <laughs> we can improve on it, but they did so much work just getting us here. So I know we're, we're answering that question with like respect for our parents who are probably listening. Um, you guys did a great job. Um, yep. But yeah, we're just asking the question we should be asking, which is how can we do that and more? Um, so yeah, and and just to emphasize, I know you also asked what do they do well, and I think I think the biggest thing there, um, and and part of why why I did find success um, in in college and and uh, even in some of those more challenging uh, sp- classes and things like that was they they really emphasized a curiosity, uh, a curiosity mm-hmm. for learning um, to ask, you know, why not only why am I learning this particular subject, but why am I, why am I going through college? Uh, you know, what's, mm-hmm. what are, what are the, um, what are the reasons and the drive that I have for being here? And I think that really helped a lot, um, uh, with shaping. I, I was, I stayed, I, I went to, I went to school, did my four degree. I stayed on and worked as a, as a software developer at the university I graduated from up in BC, mm-hmm. uh, for a while. And I got a chance to really see and observe, university students from all kinds of backgrounds um, and how they navigated the university system and got to see more like the administrator side of it. Oh, interesting. And one of the things that we realized was there are a lot of kids who just come here, like they wandered onto campus and didn't really know why they were there. Um, yeah. Yeah, they, it's true. They didn't know what major they'd be or, um, or even wilder. They thought they knew what major they'd be, but then t- two or three years later, they'd completely pivot and have to have, you know, like an extra, they turn their four-year degree into a six-year degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's obviously it's an expensive, uh, uh decision to make, but also it, I think there was a little element of like, you know, you know why, what, what's, what's your purpose here? And I think that was one of the things that, that I definitely felt like, and I ended up, I ended up having a gap year, which also, I'll, uh, was part of my transition, uh, just taking, taking a year off, working for a little bit, saving up money for college and then mm-hmm. like going in and knowing what I was there for. So I felt like that was, uh, that was something that helped me too. Yeah, I agree. I think homeschooling provides that buffer space where you have the opportunity to develop self-knowledge, which is kind of what you're describing, right? Or that curiosity is a virtue instead of an annoyance <laughs> to yeah. your peers that why is he still asking questions in class? Um, I agree with you. That was valued in our house too. I think when I look back on what my parents did well, um, there was a lot of read alouds of all different kinds. Some you know, entertaining, wonderful fiction like The Hobbit that so mm-hmm. many of us have read, but mm-hmm. then also really challenging reads for us. Like I remember when mom took us through To Kill a Mockingbird and they had some like very big conversations for 10 and eight year olds at the time and 10, eight and six um, about what is really happening in this book. And and I loved that we could do that in the safety of our home, meaning we we could ask questions and not worry about, are people going to think I'm dumb if I ask this question or a bad person if I ask this question to try to understand more. And, and I loved that about being able to stay home and learn there in that place. So it sounds like that's kind of similar to the theme of yeah. what you're describing as so then, so then, Orion, what advice would you give to homeschool students who are looking to excel in college and future careers, even something similar to what you've done? I think for me, um, what I would say is, you know, my my observation is that a lot of a lot of homeschool kids turn out 
a lot like their parents. Uh, mm-hmm. there, there's an element of that. Uh, there's obviously you have a tremendous influence on the kids you have. I had parents who had had done um, at least a little bit of post secondary, so they they were familiar, you know, with with that kind of a a schooling system. Uh, they had they they had a bias towards the sciences, so I'm naturally biased towards the sciences as well. Um, and there are a few a few of those kinds of effects. So I would say probably if I was speaking to a parent is like, you know, look, look for the places where you might not have um, as much strength and look at how mm-hmm. you can supplement that. Um, so there were a couple of different ways that my parents did a little bit of that, but, um, but obviously it, it's, it's hard to know your blind spots. And I think co-ops and things like that definitely help um, bring a little bit more diversity uh, to that. Mm-hmm to that space. And that's certainly helpful, but also not to be afraid of, of, um, of branching out. And I have like of my siblings, a lot of them ended up going into music, which is another thing that was also influenced by my parents. They were both mm-hmm. musicians as well. Uh, in fact, all of them, except for me, I think. <laughs> but then you married a musician. So yeah, yeah anyway. true. I, I balanced out that way. So yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but I think, I think, uh, you know, they all had a chance to kind of branch out in, in college and, and get a little bit more. Uh, so one of the things I appreciated about my, my two-year degree was they emphasize making sure you're covering all the bases. Cause it's, it's really mm-hmm. almost like a two-year liberal arts degree, mm-hmm. um, to, to, I mean, with, within certain specs, uh, but I thought, I thought that was really helpful for just kind of exposing it and, and kind of doing that. And of course the other advice would be, you know, be aware of the systems, um, you know, universities are systems, uh, mm-hmm. and, and the university system in the U S uh, has its, its quirks and tricks. And, yes. um, whether you're talking about, you know, taking a, a PSAT early on, or you're, you know, all those, all those interesting things, uh, don't be afraid of it. Uh, it's a, it's, it's something to be, you know, kind of understood and, and there's lots of opportunities. Um, uh, certainly with you know, testing and and some of those other things that I was learning about, uh, but also with scholarships and all the other all the other uh, facets of the of the university and post secondary education system. Yeah, I think it's great that you bring up university systems. Uh, we did a whole chapter and podcast and a bunch of research on that. What is the university view of homeschoolers? And what you just said reminded me of one of the comments we heard pretty repeatedly by different deans we spoke to, which was. The homeschoolers who come are great. You know, we really enjoy them as students. I mean, they had a much more uh, detailed re- response than that, but I'm just summarizing for the sake of time. <laughs> homeschoolers, positive, right? But what they did notice was the homeschoolers are so used to education being customized around them because yes. that's what we do at home as parents. They're not used to becoming a, a wheel in the system, a cog in the system. And to be able to, to do that as well as a skill set. And so what you're saying is, you know, just be aware the university is not going to flex to you, especially when it comes to applications. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to flex to it and just full of making the, you know, the admission officer's job easy because you know what they want and how to check those boxes and be a good cog when it comes to it. Cause we, <laughs> that's just the real world. <laughs> Whether or not we wanted to, it just is. Um, I also like to use the word supplement, um, and I want to kind of highlight on that one for a moment because you're you're absolutely right. So many parents look at the spectrum of subjects for education and say, "I don't know all of them, therefore I should not homeschool." And your parents and mine didn't do that. They said, "Okay, we have strengths in these subjects." Who else could teach my kid the other subjects? Not, oh my goodness, I need to get a degree in the other subjects. It was, who else can I find? Um, My mom went uh, and tracked down another mom homeschooler who had her degree in biology and they 
clustered together a couple of families and ended up renting uh, renting out a lab at our local community college. And for a semester, we did a dissection every week, which is a little mind blowing wow. now as an adult to think back on it. I had no idea how amazing that was until I got to high school. I was I was eleven. My best friend was thirteen. We each had a scalpel and a fetal pig, and like. Did you, you just don't, you don't even do that in, in college. <laughs> and every week it was like a, a cow heart, a sheep lung. We, we, we paired up and everybody got their own. Um, and my mom, science was not her forte. She loved literature and a lot of other things. So she put us in Mrs. Cowan's class and hmm. it was incredible. So totally agree with you. Supplement. Uh, don't feel like you have to be all and end all as the parent when it comes to content. Yeah. And, and also I, I, to, to emphasize your story, I think there's, there's all these interesting opportunities you don't get when you're in mm-hmm. the system. And then there's, that, that's the beauty. I think, I think a lot of people are worried as they're heading into homeschooling. Oh, I can't, I can't give people the same experience as they would get yes. in a public school, but in some ways you have so much more opportunity whether that's the that's... negative and the positive. Exactly. You aren't going to get the same experience. Ka-ta-da. Hooray. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely right. But but now I, we sort of glazed over this eight sibling thing. I, I want to just come back to that for a moment because there are parents listening, especially during COVID and remote learning who are larger families going, oh my gosh, I cannot figure out how to make all these schedules work at once. How do you remember your parents managing eight kids and all their school subjects um, was it one schoolroom model? Was everybody doing their own thing? Or do they have tutors? Like, what did you guys do? Well, we weren't all the same age, so that helped a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But uh, well, I guess in some ways it might not. I guess if you're teaching an, a classroom of eight people the same age, it might there might be some advantages too. But uh, but I think part of it was uh, you know by the time I was 16, that was when my youngest sister was born. Uh, okay. So you know. It, it, there were obviously different different levels. Yes, there were some elements of kind of one one ish room school room, mm-hmm. um, but also uh, I think a lot of it was teaching educational independence, um, and and so I think a lot of us um, learned how to teach ourselves in a, in a not not in a way that makes us. I don't want to make it sound like my parents were. Yeah, shirking their duties, uh, abandoning not, us. Yeah, no, <laughs> no. Um, but uh, but it was in in a, in a way that like. Um, helped us again, like I said, I said earlier, kind of take responsibility for our own education. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's a, it was at a graduated level. So it wasn't, you know, all at once, but, um, but I think that was a big part of it. You know, so a typical day might look like, you know, I'm reading a lot of history on my own and, mm-hmm. and, and my mom may have read that particular book before me, or she, maybe she's reading around the same time as I am for, you know, you know, we'll have some discussion about it or, or in some cases, it might even be a book that I'm reading and she hasn't even read yet. Uh, but there's mm-hmm. an, some element of being able to kind of go back and answer questions and, and checking comprehension and uh, maybe writing a paper about it or something along those lines. But uh, but uh, I think a lot of it was I think I think that's actually part of what made the transitions easier for for college for me anyway. Yeah. A lot of that, high, especially in high school, was was relatively independent. Yeah, there is a value to becoming an independent learner. And I think it's the second step to that curiosity mm-hmm. as a virtue we were talking about earlier. If, if a child of any age is curious, why is the sky blue or where do ants go in the winter? Um, I don't see them on the ground anymore. It's like, okay, well, that was a good question. But yeah. we, instead of stopping there with, I don't know, or maybe we'll go to the library someday, you know, thank you, internet. It's pausing, <laughs> pausing in the day as parents and saying, you know what, let's 
let's see what we can find. There may be a YouTube video. Maybe we can re request a book at the library. I'm sure there's an article online. Let's see what we can find together. And so then that curiosity um, is then modeled as the parent shows the child how to investigate, how to find the answer to that question. And so as the children age, you know, of course, we provide safe parameters for researching online and, and good bumper guards for internet safety. But they have a question. It's like, well, go find out. And yeah. Three-point report with five paragraphs and at least 16 sentences, and I'll see you Friday, Malika. <laughs> um, and so it's great because, yeah, it puts the kid in the driver's seat a little bit at a time until they figure out that this is how lifelong learning works. This is how adults, you know, um, continue to retool themselves and stay relevant in their career world. Because I imagine your job didn't exist when you were eight right? Um, Orion, Not did your job way, exist? No. no. Yeah. No. Yeah, it's different. And so, and your job will be different, I'm sure, in 20 years. So always, we are always retooling ourselves for whatever's ahead. And that's such a great practical life skill to give our kids. Yeah. And even, you know, it's funny, you mentioned then and now, and internet is obviously a new resource. Obviously, there's challenges yeah. there too, but, but I was thinking about, I think my, my parents taught me the library mechanism when I was a kid, which was the most mm -hmm. similar kind of opportunity at that point, but being able to navigate that obviously also helped me in college and navigating the internet now will certainly help you in college as well. I was amazed how many of my peers um, would walk into a library and say, I don't know where my book is. And I'm like, you, yeah. you go to the card catalog. I don't know. Like, and I know card catalogs are not what they are now, what they were then, but um, they didn't, they didn't know that or, you know, what's the difference between Urban Dictionary and um, Webster's if I'm trying to find oh boy. a definition? Like, well, let's, yeah, knowing the, the value of your source and weighing that, right? All that we get to teach them at home and it's super practical later. So so let's transition then, Orion, and talk a little bit more about the family living under your roof now. Um, tell us more. How many kids do you have? Do you have eight? Uh, and what made you and your wife decide to homeschool them? <laughs> I have four kids. My wife and I have four. Uh, they're ages 14 down to seven. Uh, and we started homeschooling, like I mentioned earlier, in, in Winnipeg uh, while we were living out there. My wife uh, is actually from out there and uh, was do studying to get her master's degree uh, in collaborative piano. That's her That's her background. Mm -hmm. um, and ended up starting a family out there. Uh, now, when our oldest was, say, I think he must have been about four and a half uh, in, in Manitoba, uh, the school system is based on the the calendar year, as I suppose, uh, in contrast with the, uh, the, the I guess the, the school, school year, year is really what okay. it's based on in Washington. Uh, so, so he would have started a little bit earlier because of his birthday timing and all that. And um, we were looking around at the schools. And there were decent schools in the area, um, but when she went to go check them out, um, she realized that from an educational standpoint he already knew all of the objectives they had for their first year. Hmm. Um, having just been around the house, been, having been around her. And, and so she was trying to, she was, she was, she was puzzling on that. I, like I letter, have, letter recognition, basic math. That's what you're talking about, right? For objectives. Uh, I think, yeah, it was something to that, to that effect. I can't remember the exact details, but she, she did the, the, the school tour with him while I was at work. Um, and, uh, and, uh, it, she just came away, came, came away thinking, well, I don't, I don't see the educational point of sending him this year. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and it wasn't so much necessarily a, um, uh, a, a question of, 
know, is this a bad thing or something like that? But she was just wondering, like, what, what makes the most educational sense for him in this particular mm-hmm. scenario? Uh, there were other private schools that would have been pretty expensive in the area, too, that we probably could have considered. Um, but she felt like, hey, um, I want to I want to give homeschooling a shot. Now, I, I just to be clear, I wasn't pressuring her. She had no external <laughs> pressure on going in that direction. I recognize that homeschooling, at least for us, would probably end up uh, uh requiring a, a bit more out of her than out of me. Uh, so I definitely didn't want to emphasize that. Um, uh, but, uh, but she decided that she, she was interested in doing that. And, and I was, I was happy to, to go along with that. And, and my, my involvement, um, has been primarily, um, as a kind of a, a secondary educator, educator in that space. So I'm not, I'm not the, her, the our kid's primary educator at the, at the moment. Um, uh, just based on the number of hours we have and all that. Uh, but, uh, I do try to help out with, um, some of the sciences, some of the areas that I have a little bit more education in and mm-hmm. can help, help with some of those. Uh, and, and I support as, you know, in, not, not, uh, perfectly, but I do my best to support her in her work, um, <laughs> yeah. as she, as she does that home, a lot of that homeschooling. Right. Because she's also, I mean, her work as a homeschool parent teacher, but also she is working part-time still, um, mm-hmm as a concert musician, right? Can you mention a little bit more of that side of what she's doing? Yeah. So she's, so in addition to homeschooling and running that co-op that I mentioned earlier, she's also a um, part-time adjunct uh, 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 pianist for collaborative pianist for the Northwest boy choir. It's a Mm -hmm. choir up here in Seattle. That's uh, has a really good reputation for the level of excellence that they have in their uh, musicianship. Uh, A lot of these guys go on to really amazing uh college roles later on and and uh and she's she's often cited that uh some of these some of these boys actually can are better sight readers than many of the uh students with you know two or three years of college under their belt hmm. <laughs> so wow. I guess it's an intense program and and, and similar to yeah. homeschooling you know when you have a ch- an opportunity to go after a subject like that uh, you can have you know 10 12 year old kids who are you know at the college level already uh depending on i mean like you said earlier like all those dissections you got to do would have made it you know a, even a college student jealous um so there's there's this really interesting opportunity to to go deep on a subject whether that's you know as as a musician or um uh, in a particular science field or in mathematics um uh, there's just a lot of different um a lot of different ways you can kind of go deep I think yeah. And your, really... and your kids have, they've sort of followed suit with her, right? Your eldest is playing the cello, but he's just not playing. He's not squeaking through the cello. Like feel free to dad brag on him for a minute, but tell yeah. me what your other kids are doing with music. So, yeah. And he's, he's, he's done, he's studied since he was four, uh, the cello actually since we started homeschooling. Um, so that whole time he's been studying and he, uh, he does, he does play quite a bit. He's, he, he thinks it's a good day when he's had three, three and a half hours of practice. Uh, right. and if he has less than that, he kind of almost feels embarrassed. Um, not, not from us, but just cause he, that's, that's, and his, how old is he? He's, he's right, 14. So, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Just so the listeners can keep that in perspective as a 14 year old. <laughs> keep going. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's, yeah, he, he loves that subject and, and, uh, and he's, he's very good at it. Uh, he, he's had a chance to work with some really, really great teachers here in, in Seattle and, um, and he plays with the Seattle Youth Symphony. Um, mm-hmm. So he's he's had a lot of interesting um, opportunities, and 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 he just loves it. So I think that's that's probably a shout out for you know for for those kids who have something that they just love uh, and mm-hmm. want to go deep on it. That's a great opportunity um, 
for for you know just going just just going straight straight on ahead and 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 doing it when i was his age for me it was programming um mm-hmm. I had a had my parents had to ha- had to cap my program. We almost have to cap Seth, my oldest's um, uh, cello uh, uh, practice because he has a lot of other things he's got to get done too. Now that no, he's, you can't have like, any more vitamins. Go eat your pizza. That's like one of those yeah. amazing statements. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it's 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 been good. Um, and but yeah, you're right. You can dive. You can dive deep. I think I, I derailed your thought process. I apologize there. But but yeah, a lot of professional athletes, Olympic gymnasts. I think it's Simone Biles who was homeschooled. Um, you know, child actors. They've chosen homeschooling so they can dive deep into their craft or their passion or programming. Like you're saying, whatever it is. And then you've got a kiddo and boys choir, and then a budding yes. pianist. A couple of them are playing piano, right? That's uh, uh, can you correct me there on that one? Yes. No, you yeah, two 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 of the two of the boys are playing piano. Uh, my daughter is playing a violin and uh yeah, so they're all they all have more musicianship than I do already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and Becca's still finding ways to like feed the professional side of her life. So you y'all are very talented and musical, which is why at the beginning like this is a great family. <laughs> um so that what so then when we talk about that, what are some of the creative ways that you're homeschooling your kids that might be different for kids in traditional school? I know we've spent a lot of time talking about music, but is there anything else you want to add on that? Whether it's I don't know if it's computer programming or camping or what is it that you guys are doing to feed feed their exposure to the world? <laughs> Yeah, and that's especially an interesting question in the midst of COVID. Um, yeah, exposure to the world's a little before different before COVID. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and actually, you mentioned camping. That's been that's been a kind of a treat for us this just this last summer um, is mm-hmm. is kind of learning that space a little bit more, getting outside and uh, and having that opportunity. Obviously, in Washington State, we have a lot of wonderful camping opportunities um, all around this, all around the state. And, uh, so we had a chance to take advantage of that a little bit this summer, but as far as like getting out into the world in the, in the people kind of sense, mm-hmm. uh, we've had a couple of, of, uh, spaces, uh, obviously, uh, for, for two of the boys who are in the Northwest boy choir as well. Um, uh, they've really enjoyed that connection. Actually one just started. It's, it's all been virtual so far. It's been sure. one of those, one of those COVID oddities, but, yes. um, but, uh, for the older one, he's been involved in, for the last few years, and he's 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 really connected well with that community. And for for Seth, the oldest, um, connecting with folks in in Seattle Youth Symphony, uh, and then a couple of other places like our co-op um, and uh, some other smaller uh, op- opportunities we've had uh, have been really good for them too. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. And your co-op is a science-based as well as other academic subjects. It's not it's not like it's a play group. Um, you're, like Correct. I've seen the curriculum that you guys use, it's it's solid stuff. The kids are really getting their hands on the science and other concepts. So that's really yeah. cool what they're doing. So then um, how is that experience different from homeschooling when you were a child? Um, and, and then you talked a little bit about your role of the role of your uh, secondary teaching in terms of the kids education. What is that practically or, you know, what does that really look like? Yeah. Uh, so we've had a couple of, of experiments we've tried over the years. Um, I am, my, my wife is far more organized than I am. I'll give Becca plenty of props on that. <laughs> um, but, uh, one of the things we've tried over the years is we've had a couple of other friends who drop by, whether they're homeschooled or not, um, for doing some programming classes. Uh, so we've, we've built a few, done a few projects together, um, you know, building, building relatively simple things like games or, um, or other, 
think things just to kind of exercise that opportunity. Uh, we've done, done some electronics and soldering projects and, um, and then uh, math homework is a little less glamorous, but uh, that's another place that I often end up helping out with. Uh, and a couple of uh, physics or other ideas. Uh, yeah. one, of the, one of the really fun things, you mentioned uh, science is one of the things that happens at the co-op. It's, it's, and it, in reality, it's kind of more of a, it's almost more of, it's almost like the same, the same general topics that I, that I took when I was in community college, um, mm. kind of more geared towards the, the middle school or high school space. So it's, you know, it's sciences and humanities and history and um, uh, different, different, different parts of the brain being exercised there. But one of the fun things we got to do a couple of years ago, uh, I believe it was for the, for the physics cycle of, of their curriculum was doing some uh, bottle, like a pressurized bottle rocket uh, launching. Oh, so we had to build our own build our own rockets that had to have recoveries and uh, parachutes and all this stuff. So that was a really fun, ex- a really fun project that I got to work on with, uh, with with my two older guys um, uh, who were in that particular class, and and we had, there were lots of trial and failure, and just kind of like learning the the method of uh, it's kind of scientific, but also kind of an engineering mindset of you know how do how do you pick back up when things go wrong and and, and keep moving ahead. So that was a fun part of uh, part of that uh, involvement, I guess, in their education. Yeah, and and such a rare piece too. Um, it's just we aren't launching bottle rockets typically until we get to the high school level. So to get to do that for you know upper elementary and junior high um, at the co-op level is really special. Um, I remember we were touring one of those really um, excellent private schools in Seattle at one point because we were thinking you know we're going to put the kids into high school. Do we want to do public or private or what are we doing? Uh, we ended up with public school here in Oregon, but at the time we were thinking Seattle. And so we're touring the school and they've got Latin and uh, it's very old school classical model. And like mm-hmm. the kids are in uniforms, it's serious business. And we walked into the um, science lab for freshman biology and the teacher was really gracious and welcomed us in. And we sat in the back and at one point she turned to my kids who were uh, sixth grade and seventh, I think at that point. And she said, and what science have you studied this last year? And we actually were using the same science curriculum your kids were. So they piped up and they said, chemistry and physics. Yeah. <laughs> and her eyes got really big. She's like, wow, most kids don't get to do that. Um, and so that was like a tip of the hat to Becca because she's the one who introduced me to that curriculum. <laughs> but it's so fun to get them into these subjects early. They're totally yeah. capable. Totally. So then, are. what? Ad- yeah. So then, what advice do you have for dads specifically, Ryan? Assuming the dad's not the primary, um, which is typically not the case, though it can be. Um, so, assuming dad's not the primary, what advice do you have specifically for those who are looking to be supportive of their families and their spouses as they launch into homeschooling? Yeah, I think obviously there's a lot of pressure and and whoever takes on that primary responsibility is, is no doubt thinking of the, op, the, not the obligation, but the, the, uh, the weight of making that decision of being in charge mm-hmm. of, of their children's education. Obviously parents don't walk into this just for fun. Uh, and, and there's a, there's a, there's a, there's an intentionality there and, and a responsibility. Um, mm-hmm. and I think that's, that weight can be really, uh, petrifying for some people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think, uh, I think the primary responsibility of the person who, who is, is the secondary teacher, uh, is to encourage the primary and to, to point out and, and be the, the voice that they need. Cause the other interesting thing is without, especially without a co-op, you don't have necessarily a lot of feedback as a teacher. Cause, um, it, it's, it's a little bit more, uh, you know, 
it's it's easy it's easy to kind of listen to the, listen to to voices of negativity in your own mind. I think mm-hmm. uh, because you don't have anyone else giving you the feedback saying, "Oh my gosh, look what you just taught them!" And they're this age, and they're yeah. really grasping that, and they, and look at how much they love this. Um, yes. So I think that's a big I think that's a big role of of the of the of the the other of the spouse who isn't isn't the primary. The cheerleader reality check side. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and that's, and that, honestly, that's, that's a lot of it. I, I, I mean, there can be certainly some cases where, um, where kids might not be doing so well and, and you can help with that, that scenario or something like that. Um, I mean, Becca's super responsible. So I haven't like that, that hasn't been a challenge for me or anything like that, but I would imagine there may be some cases where you just need some help. Um, there can be frustration or, or, or challenges. I do know, um, uh, I know of some some cases where where uh, there, there's been a homeschool parent who has really hit kind of a burnout phase, and I think that's an mm-hmm. important thing too uh, for a spouse to to, especially if there's any sort of pressure to homeschool, um, to to make sure that that is still the right decision for um, for for the family. So I would say keeping that option, help helping helping just be another voice, another another person to talk with. I think it's yeah. probably a big piece. That is a big piece. I'm really grateful that my husband does the same because uh, you're right. There's more than one way to get an education. We say that often here. Homeschooling is not the way. Yeah. <laughs> if you love your child, you'll homeschool them, right? That's just, no, that's absolutely wrong. Um, so there are lots of ways to get an education. It's a question of what's best for the child, what's best for the family. And yeah. so it's so helpful when you can have both parents maintaining that perspective. I really like how when I'm in survival mode, because sometimes, you know, just all the subjects coming at me and the balancing of all the schedules and doctor's appointments and eye glasses and whatever, I don't pull back and do the big picture as often as Josh can. And so he's able to do that and see something differently than I did or get ahead of a potential problem that I just haven't encountered yet. Like uh, he was the one who spotted with um, one of our kids that just needed some extra supports with the learning process, had some special learning needs. And I was like, I, I just hadn't figured out. I knew like, we could see the yellow flags waving. I could not figure out the right path to take to, to solve it and provide a solution. And he was able to see that path faster than I was. Cause I'm, I'm down here in the survival mode, like trying to keep everything duct taped together. Exactly. And he could get ahead of it and get out front and be like, okay, this is, I think this is what's happening. And he was totally right. Um, so yeah, I love it when spouses can team up and not feel, especially for the moms to not feel like, oh, you just don't think I'm doing it well, right? Don't let insecurity get in the way um, to feel protective of, I'm doing a good job, I promise. Um, To say, yeah, I I need some help here or I'd like a break. (laughs) We're going to take a year off. I'm going to recover and then we can reconsider for taking it back or not. And that's that's actually, you mentioned break, sometimes just even a short break, like a a weekend or something like that. That's, That's another reality is, you know, as a, as a, as a parent who's homeschooling, you're a parent and a teacher mm-hmm. and it's hard to set both of those hats down for any, any reasonable amount of period. So I think that's, that's another, uh, another role for a, a supportive spouse. Yeah. We've known some families who educate 10 months out of the year so that they can follow an on off schedule. And I don't remember what the ratio was, but it was something like six weeks on and then one week of vacation and then six weeks on and one total week of vacation, just because they wanted to prevent that burnout. Um, all kinds of creative ways to do that. Um, so Orion, this has been great to have you, but I'm keeping you a long time. So, so we'll wrap <laughs> it up here. What final thoughts do you have for a friend listening today who might be new to the idea of schooling from home? You know, I think uh, I would say get to know 
what support you have if if you're considering it, what what support you have in your in your area, whether there's you know opportunities for co-ops or or other things, and and also what's what are the regulations, what are the what are the uh, you know the practical uh, implications uh, in your state or in your province or wherever you might be. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's things like testing and particular outcomes are expected. Uh, also, think about what 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 what's your intent there? Like, what what is the outcome of of your homeschooling that you're intending for? Is it you know is it for a different educational experience? Is it a particular opportunity? Um, we had friends uh, who homeschooled their kids while they were traveling to South America, for example. They wanted to do a spend a whole year abroad, um, and I think that's a really interesting opportunity. So think about I would say the why uh, on that. Hmm. Um, and I would say, yeah, like I mentioned earlier, a lot of, a lot of what you put in, um, you know, obviously your kids will be influenced by, by you quite a bit and think about, uh, think about the, um, think about what, you know, what, what that influence looks like and what, how you'd want to, want to balance it. But I think probably the biggest thing I would say for, for folks is, Homeschooling is totally possible, and it's not—it's um, not something that is, you know, magical or or uh, reserved only for the elite. Uh, if you go back and look at, you know, <laughs> history, U.S. history, or or any any real, you know, any 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 culture really, like homeschooling is is actually the normal um, mm-hmm. for most of the world's yeah. history. Um, and and I think you know we have a lot of great educational tools now that uh, can equip. Uh, pretty much anyone uh, to be able to do this if they're interested in doing it. And, it, and again, it's, it's, it comes down to the why, both for the both for the the homeschooled kid and for the parent. Like, why do you want to homeschool, and and why do you want to keep learning? Um, and I think that's that's the biggest the biggest thing there. Yeah, that's excellent. That's good wisdom right there. Thank you so much, Orion. Seriously, for making time to tell us more about your story. This series is one of my favorites because we get to see real examples of how homeschool fosters wonderful people. So I appreciate you sharing your experiences with us and encouraging families in their homeschooling endeavors. Thanks so much for having me on. Absolutely. And thank you, friend, for joining us today. I hope you're walking away from this conversation feeling equipped to better teach the ones you love. See you next time. Thanks for joining Ann Crossman on our podcast, helping you homeschool confidently with help from the experts. You can do this, and we are here to help. We invite you to follow us on social media and subscribe to our podcast so you stay up to date on the latest resources. See you next time.